Today's youth are completely tech-obsessed, socially disconnected creatures with the attention span of a lizard, right? Actually, a new study has shown that the younger generation is actually less tech-obsessed than the millennials that came before them. Before we get into that, though, this is A Brighter Web, episode number five, brought to you by all of us at Green Melon, which includes me, Mickey Melon, and some of my awesome coworkers and friends that you'll hear in future episodes. Our goal with this podcast is to share news, products, and ideas with you so we can all make the web a brighter place to be. These might be actual web tips, talking about strategy, WordPress plugins, and UX, or it might be productivity ideas to help you get more done and free up your time to do great things. We also want to thank our sponsor, ClickHost.com. ClickHost provides top-rate web hosting at prices as low as $5 a month. Visit ClickHost.com ABW for an exclusive 20% off discount for listeners of A Brighter Web. Today we'll be talking more about Gen Z not being as tech-obsessed as millennials, WooCommerce 3.1 coming in a few days, lots of news from Google, and a quick tip on making Twitter work better for you. Let's dig in. A great study was just released from Kosky Research showing that Generation Z, which is roughly ages 18 to 20, are less obsessed with technology than millennials are, millennials being ages 21 to 35, pretty much across the board. While some aspects are to be expected, whereas they don't see a big future for email, others are more surprising. Taking something like VR, only 9% of Gen Z thinks that VR will play a role in the future of work, while 22% of Millennials and 20% of Gen X thinks it will. There are similar numbers for smart cars, where only 11% of Gen Z thinks it will have a role in the future of work, while 22% of Millennials and 20% of Gen X think they will. It's a fascinating study, and I encourage you to check it out. We have a link to the full study in our show notes. It was just a few episodes we were talking about WooCommerce 3.0, and version 3.1 is scheduled to come out this Wednesday. It's fairly minor in scope, at least compared to 3.0, and really shouldn't break anything, but has some nice new features. Included in WooCommerce 3.1 is finally a built-in import and export feature. It's been a long time coming for that. A easy-to-implement terms and conditions checkbox feature on checkout. Easier ways to update all your extensions. If you have WooCommerce, you likely have a handful of extensions, if not more. It'd be much easier to keep those updated. If you're on the back end working on a customer account, there'll be a button to copy all the information from their billing address, uh, which a lot of websites have on the front end, but this will make it easier for you on the back. Lots of other improvements coming too. Again, this kind of update shouldn't cause any problems for your site, but certainly proceed with caution. But look for that to come out hopefully Wednesday. They seem to be on pace to release it in a couple days, so keep an eye out for that. And We have a link in our show notes with details on everything you can find in WooCommerce 3.1. The main focus this week we want to talk about is Google, as they've released a ton of different things, and we'll kind of run through everything they've got going and how it affects you. First, Google's launched a website builder. It's pretty slick, pretty simple, lets you build a single page site in just a few minutes, but really can't go beyond that. This works through the Google My Business account, so if you have an account there and you're the kind of company that does not have a website and really doesn't want to deal with it too much. It's an easy way to make a single page site that looks nice, has some information and get you up and running. You can use a custom domain name on it to be very personalized. But again, it's limited to a single page and fairly limited use, but certainly could be a value for some smaller companies. Beyond that, and really separately, Google has also launched Posts, which is kind of a blogging engine for your Google My Business page. Right now in the US, it only works for museums, sports teams, sports leagues, and movies, but it's expected to roll out to other industries in the near future. The advantage here, of course, is when you post something on there, it's in the Google index instantly so you have a chance to really rank better. I would expect there'll be some neat ways to tie that into your existing blog if you already have one once that rolls out to more industries in the future, and we'll certainly keep you posted on that. It's long been thought that breadcrumbs on your website, the little series of links across the page, it'll say like home, products, you know, kind of working you down to where you are, is good for Google. Google likes that kind of navigation, gives them an idea of what's going on. As with other things, Google's Gary Isles has tweeted to say exactly what we wanted to hear. 
So someone asked Google, what's Google's stance on breadcrumb navigation? Do those links pass value? If so, should they? Gary Isle's response, word for word, was, we likes them. We treat them as normal links in, e.g., page rank computation. So this tells us a couple things. First, page rank isn't dead. We've long known that, but this is more proof to that. Certainly not as important as it used to be, but it is a factor. And it tells us breadcrumbs are good. So your theme likely has an option to turn them on or off. And plugins like Yoast have that built in to turn them on as well if your theme doesn't either. There are a lot of tools that monitor the fluctuations in Google's algorithms. They look at many thousands of rankings and chart how many change in any given day. A popular one is MozCast from Moz. It treats it kind of like weather, like a weather forecast with a higher temperature meaning more changes that day from Google. Between all the various tools, it looks like there may have been a fairly decent sized Google algorithm update back around June 14th. Google on Twitter jumped in to jokingly say, kind of jokingly, kind of not, that they may do things to intentionally mess with those tracking tools. Seems unlikely that they do, and they kind of implied that they don't, but it's an interesting consideration to think that Google may do something to kind of throw off those tools to see what's going on. But regardless, there was an update of some kind a few weeks ago. We have some links to Search Engine Roundtable that talk more about that update and what it may have looked like. Over the past few months, we've talked in the meetup and other places about the Google mobile interstitial penalty that would be coming out eventually, and Google has revealed that it's already out. This was a penalty that mobile versions of websites could see if they had intrusive interstitials, the ads that kind of pop up and cover the screen and no one really likes. Many were expecting quite a mess when Google rolled it out, which is probably why no one noticed. Uh, there was no big mess and everything went pretty smooth. The thought now is that Google gave webmasters plenty of time to prepare so it didn't end up being a big deal. For those of you that remember the old Y2K hype, this seems similar. You could argue about Y2K wasn't a big mess, but the prevailing wisdom is that companies spent years and millions of dollars to prepare for it so things went smooth. This update certainly wasn't nearly that big of a deal, but the prep time and the warning that Google gave gave companies time to clean up their act and it made the event, well, a non-event. The last piece of news from Google that I want to share today is about voice search analytics. Google's talked about it a few times. They've again mentioned that voice search analytics will be coming soon-ish. This will be coming to Google Search Console. You'll be able to see the details on voice search queries that led people to your site. They've simply said, though, they're working on it and haven't released any kind of timetable for it, but it'll certainly be a great addition to your analytics and Search Console reporting. And lastly, we have our tip of the week, and this one deals with Twitter. I spent years trying to find the perfect Twitter client for desktop, looking at Chrome extensions and Windows programs and different things, and finally found the perfect one, and it's actually just the Twitter mobile website. From your desktop computer, laptop, whatever, you can go to m.twitter.com to get to the mobile version of their website on your desktop computer, and then you can shrink that down to a pretty small column and put it at the side of your desktop, and it works really, really well. If you use Chrome on Windows or on a Chromebook, you can actually add it to your desktop as an icon. It'll run as a standalone app. Mac, you can sort of do that, but not quite to the same extent. What this means is you essentially have the web version running like an app, that's the mobile website for Twitter, and it, it does a great job. It's certainly not as full-featured as some of the other Twitter apps you can download for Windows and Mac, but it's simple and easy and does a great job, and frankly, I wish I'd discovered it sooner instead of wasting that much time downloading different apps. But if you're looking to get back into Twitter, this has got me tweeting more just because I can leave that open on the side of my desktop and not interfere with my other windows I have open, not take up a lot of space, but keep Twitter a little more front and center for me, and I'm using it a lot more often lately. So that's all we have for this week. You can find me on Twitter at MickMel, M-I-C-K-M-E-L, or learn lots more at GreenMelonMedia.com. And you can find more about the podcast, including show notes and links at abrighterweb.com or on Facebook or Twitter at abrighterweb. If you're in the Atlanta area, come check out our meetup held three times each month. And if you're not in the Atlanta area, we post recaps on the website soon after each meetup. Either way, you can learn a lot more about that at abrighterweb.com meetup.
Thanks for listening.